Welcome to another apocalyptic, revenge-filled episode of Save Station Radio. I'll be your host, Dustin, and with me is my fellow survivor, Connor. Hello there. On this week's long-awaited episode, we will be discussing The Last of Us Part 2. And right up front, I want to apologize. Uh, You might have seen Anodyne go first in the feed. That's basically my fault. I had some technology problems, and we had to get this episode out pretty late, so... Luckily, we had recorded that Anodyne episode, like, months ago. So we had something to give you guys, um, and I know that chops up the Anodyne and The Last of Us episodes, but my bad, basically, uh, and I apologize for that. But hey, now if you're behind, you can just listen to the two Last of Us and then the two Anodyne together. There it's you up go. to you. Hopefully the goal with this podcast is to have these be fairly evergreen, so if you do complete a game years from now, you have an episode to go listen to. That's that's kind of the idea, so hopefully it won't matter in a couple months anyway, right? So, of course, Last of Us 2 was released uh, on June 19th, 2020, uh, after several delays. This game, I feel like, got delayed like three times. Yeah, it was shown off at E3 in 2016, and then it was delayed twice. Once for quality, and then once again because, you know, COVID yeah. threw everything up in the air, so they delayed it for that. But it, once again, is developed by Naughty Dog published by sony specifically as a playstation 4 exclusive who knows if that stays i'm sure it'll come to the ps5 eventually i um, hope it comes to pc like uh pc would also be very cool because uh, horizon's getting a pc port in august so that, w- that would be amazing especially considering this might be the best looking video game i've ever played so seeing it yeah, there would be pretty cool no kidding um, uh, this started production in 2014, pretty much right after the remaster of the first game shipped, which, you know, that's usually how these things go. When the game sells super well, they immediately start work on a sequel. Um, you know, having six years essentially to work on this game is pretty good. I think the the game does kind of show um, all the time and attention put into it. Oh, for sure. And I'm sure that that's, you know, they did Uncharted 4 and Lost Legacy in between that. And I'm sure that, like, those beginning years were just a small team. So this this had a Metacritic of 94, given a must-play lord, mostly positive reviews, some negative ones, but mostly. Um, I wanted to dedicate, and I probably should have warned you about this before, a section of this podcast in the beginning of it to kind of talk about some of the more disgusting aspects of the response to this game. Um... And I don't want to, I guess I don't want to paint like every negative review because, you know, you'll hear that later on this episode as bad. But when this game first came out, there was a lot of, um, I'm just going to say some pretty like homophobic and transphobic stuff going on around the edges of it, around the response to it from a lot of quote unquote fans. And I want to dedicate that because I think it's important to the culture of this game and how it released. Because, um, I mean, you put it in here, your notes about... Um, or at least you had it in here. You know, it's about the user score being super low. Yeah, the user score, as of recording today, um, about mid-July, uh, it's a 5.4, which is above what it was, you know, like around when it launched, which I think was the inverse. It was a 4.5, which is super low. And I personally did not go and look at all those user reviews because I'm sure it's just a ton of angry people who are just spouting homophobic nonsense um and i'm sure there's some 
negative reviews that have genuine complaints with the game, which we can get into later, but comparing that to the Last of Us Remastered, which has a user score of 9.1, um, like the reception immediately out of the gate was pretty negative from players, but really, really high with critics. So I, I would push back and saying it's pretty negative with players. I because I think that user score, that initial, especially really low one, happened the day the game came out. Like a lot of that stuff, I, I honestly, I think it was a swell of really shitty opinions about the representation in this game. Um, and there, there was a lot of stuff going around about that. And I did want to take a second and talk about it. Um, if people don't know, uh, a major story aspect of this game leaked beforehand, unfortunately, uh, for Naughty Dog, which I think really sucks because I think it really soured a lot of this stuff and really kicked off a lot of this stuff. And I think a lot of people were taking that and sort of extrapolating things and using that as ammo against a lot of the people who worked on the game. Um, I do want to call out Laura Bailey, who's a major actor in this game, and Neil Druckmann, the writer and uh, producer, uh, and I think several others have put out comments, um, have tweeted out comments about some of the just truly atrocious and awful things that are being said to them because of characters they put into the game or characters they played as, um, getting death threats, stuff of that nature, which is just unacceptable, period, full stop. I don't care what your opinions are on this game. If you have legitimate complaints, if you're out there death threatening people, like, fuck off. Your opinion doesn't matter anymore. It's invalid. Yeah, no kidding. The, um, We'll get into this later, but I have somewhat negative opinions about the representation in this game. But none of it is as just straight up homophobic or transphobic or just... I don't like seeing this in a game, so I'm going to downvote this game even though I haven't given it a chance. I have some negative opinions about this game, but to take that and turn that directly on the developers or the people involved with the project at all, like, don't you have better time, better things to do with your time and not just be an asshole to people? Like, calm down. Don't, don't be like that. Yeah, um, and I just wanted to highlight it because I think it's the kind of thing that, like, yes, in two years, that's not going to matter. People aren't going to remember that reception. The user score will probably honestly gain a lot more as more people play it and review it. Like, honestly, this will be a footnote, but I think it's important to highlight some of those negative aspects of, I guess, gaming culture because this happens, not to this degree, but it does happen. And honestly, I just think it's the kind of thing that holds games back. Like, sure, there might be some legitimate complaints with the, the representation in this game, but think about it. How many AAA games have this kind of representation? It's insane to me. It's kind of, to me, like, it, it exemplifies, like, that quote that's like, this is why we can't have nice things. Like, I look at this and I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, you can have problems with it. And you can give constructive feedback without just being the worst trashy person on the planet. Like, it's truly horrendous and awful. And I, I just want yeah, to take the time and out. I mean and i mean that user score has gone up within the last month of release like i mean it's a little less than a month we're about three weeks out from release and it's gone up already so you know i think as more people play it and experience the game for themselves and stop just gut shot immediate response or just 
you know, spouting their shitty opinions on social well, media. So I think a lot of those people that are having that immediate response are the people who probably aren't going to play the game anyway. Yeah, I believe that wholeheartedly. This this reminds me so much of the response, and I hate it because I hated this event in our history. Uh, it reminds me so much of the response to Last Jedi, like down to like the way it's ranked and the user scores and the death threats being sent to people who fucking worked on it. Like it's insane, and I hate that we're going through this again with another you know fictional fucking property it's truly horrendous and disgusting and awful yeah sorry i interrupted you and there's a whole like thing about fan entitlement and it's like you know this is not your project if you want something that's not this go buy something else or go make something else yourself you know it's not you don't have to buy the game (laughs) you know if you have con- c- criticisms and honest to god feedback, then that's fine. But just lambasting a game for no reason, go spend your money elsewhere. No harm done. Yeah, I mean, truly. Um, which you know does not bore out in the sales of this game, which it sold four million copies um, in its what, first weekend, which is higher than any other Sony exclusive, including Spider Man, which kind of blew my mind. I wouldn't have thought that that would have been possible. Yeah, because Spider-Man's such a huge name, and it's that game Spider-Man. sold well, too. Yeah. It sold $3.3 in its opening weekend, but this one just, like, overtook everything. And I suspect this will become one of the best-selling PlayStation games of all time. You know, I, I saw some people saying the sales dropped off, but I, I think this game will have a remarkable tale, and will probably be up there as one of the highest. Yeah, I honestly believe that. Yeah, is there anything else around the edges of the game you want to talk about before we get into gameplay and stuff? Um, I would say just right off the bat, if you're curious about this game, go try it. You know, there's a lot of mixed reviews, and honestly, that had me skeptical when I had already pre-ordered it. I was kind of worried going in. I would say if you're curious, definitely give it a shot. You won't be disappointed in a lot of aspects. You know, it's a good continuation of the first game. Um don't let yourself be spoiled by negative reviews or even just story spoilers just i would say give it a shot um it might not be for you you might return it afterwards but give it a give it an honest shot and then um form your own opinion on it uh especially since the rest of this podcast we're going to be spoiling most of the game so you know don't listen to that if you haven't played it yet yeah and i genuinely think this is going to be one of the like like the first one one of the major cultural touchstones to gaming and you probably should experience it if you have the means just to have that and be able to talk about it um and honestly i again i think most of the critical reviews are insanely positive but there are some negative ones and uh, a little bit more than you would think for a game like this and i love that i thank god that there's a triple a video game that is willing to disappoint people and you know like is willing to piss off some people i think that's great um i want to see more of that like i think video game reviews are pretty homogenistic a lot of times like a lot they're either all negative or all positive with some outliers i think this is kind of a special case and i i kind of love that especially a game of this size and scale and budget um i i I kind of appreciate that honestly yeah you know it shows the developers willing to take risks and you know there are going to be fans of the first game who don't like this game and 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 i will say again to reiterate if you did see the spoiler the leaked spoiler that is an event pretty early on in the game there's a lot more to it 
But anyway, let's talk about the gameplay and sort of our general thoughts. I think the gameplay of this game is so good. It's one of my favorites this gen, just to play, uh, personally. I feel like they made vast improvements to Last of Us with small details. Like, I, I think it's a lot of small improvements that add up to make this game so much fun. I don't know, what do you think generally about it, before I get into specifics? You know, the whole game, you're trucking between exploration and combat and story, and it bounces between those pretty seamlessly. It also throws some puzzles in there, which was not um, not unwelcome. You know, it breaks up the pace of the combat, of the story and all that. I enjoyed that immensely. The combat and the stealth, though, is sublime. It is so good. It's um, perfect, honestly. I think it's my favorite stealth combat game this gen. It's so good. Yeah, the enemy AI is spot on and joy to play. It's a joy to stealth around and get these sort of enemy paths tracked out and all that super great and i want to compliment them on because we i I, well at least i complained about sort of the first area in the last of us one the first combat areas in boston about how they were like obviously combat areas where where you'd get in they'd just be the nondescript waste hall you know cover and shit like that and i feel like it got better throughout the game in this game i don't think there's a single arena where i went that looks unnatural that doesn't look like it'd actually be there a lot of it feels really good and set up you know, correctly, and it feels like you're in a real environment while also being designed for stealth combat gameplay, and that's really impressive, and they deserve the highest marks for that, honestly. Yeah, and I think um, some of the new mechanics, I think, add to that. The main one being the ability to actually, like, crawl. Oh my you know, God. in the first game, you could crouch walk, but crawling here, it makes it so you don't have to have just tons of blocks of cover, Yep. You can put these patches of grasses between cover and then you can have the player crawl through it and still remain stealth. And that lets you not just, you know, fill an area with crates to have them have cover in the arena. You can have it be more natural that way. Yeah, totally. It totally works. And, you know, it's it doesn't act like standing in the grass like in Assassin's Creed would. In those games, you're basically invisible. In this one, it just makes you harder to see, um, which is a little bit hard to get your hand, your head around at first. But I think it ends up really benefiting the gameplay because it makes the grass still dangerous to be in but it does make it helpful to traverse these arenas uh the crawling is one of those things that it's something that honestly if you really look at the percentage you use it you don't use it that much but when you do use it it's incredible like being able to crawl under a vehicle or a bed or whatever really amplifies it just a gives you another option to hide uh but b it makes the more action combat arenas it it puts more horror there because the enemies will look there like you're not invisible there they will look under the bed they will look for you under things and you're still lethal under you still have a gun but it's very hard to hit them when they're looking for you and if they do find you it's kind of this horrifying animation will just drag you out by your feet like it it works so well and it really adds a lot of atmosphere and horror to just the base gameplay which is really cool i think yeah it also adds what this game is really really going for which is realism you know if you have the option to crawl under something or squeeze between gaps and it seems like you would really be able to do that then the game's gonna allow for it yeah to mixed results um there's some specifics areas that don't fully work with that but on the whole that sort of realistic using your real world knowledge to apply that to the game systems it it really worked for me and it makes these combat arenas just like 
amazing to play. Even the claustrophobic sort of interior areas don't have that same blocky feeling to them. They have these sort of like cracks in the wall that you can squeeze through and different. Um, this game also adds the ability to break windows, which is great. It gives you sort of an access through a wall if you can't if you don't want to get through a door or you want to squeeze through a gap or sneak around enemies it just makes the whole experience that much better absolutely and the other thing is you mentioned it briefly you can squeeze through walls which is such a small little thing but man when you get caught and you're running and you're just squeezing through walls trying to get through it's so tense and it just it adds so much to that like heart pounding intensity of the core gameplay and the core combat it just it feels so good and what a smart addition smart kind of subtle you know just way to handle that there's smaller things like i think smartly they've nerfed the bombs and molotovs uh the molotovs are not kind of this all-powerful cod weapon anymore they will um you know you, you you can get one or two zombies with them but the rest of them will just run around and put out the fire and now they're kind of aggro and running around they're much harder to kill so you kind of have to be smarter about when you use your molotovs and then the bombs you could no longer throw them because in the first game when you throw your bomb it would create a noise, basically guaranteeing you an instant uh, a free kill. And this one, you just put them down, which makes a lot more sense contextually, uh, but also is smarter gameplay-wise, because now, you know, you put it down where you are, and you have to sneak away from that area, and either an enemy's chasing you there, or you have to attract an enemy over there, and I just think it works so well for the core gameplay. Yeah, the trap bombs were one of my favorite mechanics, and I realized later on that I didn't use them a whole lot, but like that crawling it's something that when you do use it it makes you feel really smart and really sort of using the environment to your advantage and it was so good to master yeah um there was an area sort of later in the game but i was in a claustrophobic environment and i had set up trap bombs at every entrance to a room and then intentionally got myself spotted so that they would all run in and blow themselves up on the bombs and that kind of stuff in a stealth game just makes it that much cooler to the player that use of the game systems and it it was really great i love the gameplay for that reason especially so smart i also think it's really smart in the addition of new types of npcs they add which add to the combat uh, sandbox um there's one i don't want to spoil and i think you'll know what i'm talking about so i'm just going to talk about the ones we should talk about because there's one that's a cool surprise i think but one of the things they add actually kind of two um one of the things they add is dogs for human enemies which a horrifying very sad <laughs> what a terrible thing to make us do but the dogs will sniff you out so you can't just camp like you could in the first game and take people out with a bow it forces you to be mobile it forces you to use those bombs if you want which is a smart way to take care of them which again horrifying but you can and i, I really love that aspect of it and then the other one they added um i can, I can never remember the correct name for them they're not bloaters, the the other big zombies. The Shamblers? Shambler, yes. Um, which, I'm, I'm on my second playthrough, by the way. And in my first playthrough, I kind of hated them. They were kind of frustrating to me. On my second playthrough, I'm realizing that they're actually kind of great because they, f they force you into action, which I think is something I've realized the game really excels at, which is stealth, action, stealth, action, all in the same arena. And I, I actually kind of love them now, especially because they just... They're sort of this big, hulking, intimidating enemies... And you can kill them fairly quick if you have the ammo for it. But it, it just, I don't know, I, I just started to appreciate that dynamic a little more. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I love the improvements they made to this sandbox and think it's 
honestly brilliant. Yeah, having those combat arenas, especially, um, and we praised the first game for specific arenas that did this, that have that uh, multi-layer and multi-tier design. This game does a lot of it, and it's really, really smart the way it uses it, where you can do combat on multiple floors of an area with like these big holes blasted out of the middle of it so that you can see between the two floors or it'll give you escape routes between the two. Um, there's one specific one later in the game that has the like a bunch of fl- uh, holes in the floor that lead into water, so you can use that to swim and oh get an it's exit if you need in the to. Whole game. It's so good, and having that multi-tiered and sort of more arena-focused like attention where you kind of need to keep the enemy's position in mind at all times to limit their sight on you but also get the drop on them it's super cool it keeps you engaged in the arena and it's just really great arena design as a whole yeah i think they've absolutely mastered this kind of gameplay and honestly i will be comparing all other stealth action games to it like man there was literally one and there's a ton of arenas in this game because it's super long one arena that i thought was kind of shitty but that's it um and it's just because it's super small and it forces you into action by breaking a window. And I, and there's like a shambler in there and clickers and stuff. And I just thought it was like, this this kind of sucks. But other than that, I thought they were all just phenomenal. Whether or not they started you in action or stealth, I just, I absolutely love them. Yeah, no kidding. The We could sing the praises for the gameplay the whole the whole time. Even the, the puzzle solving um, is very contextual. I love that. The... I don't know. It's just the whole the whole package in terms of gameplay is really great. Yeah. Um, it, it honestly bums me out that they don't have multiplayer this time around. Because of these improvements they've made, I want I just want more. I want more so bad. Um, and of course, it, that all piles on to the mechanics from the first game about crafting while you know, you're in combat or in free flow and all that stuff. It all works just as well as it did in the first game. If not better in some yeah, cases. Yeah, and using, using materials that you would need for other things the same sort of mentality is there where you need um this game also introduces silencers which i think is fantastic um but the silencers use one of the key components for med kits so you want to it's sort of like if you want to make the silencer as a form of pre-healing you know not getting spotted not needing the healing then that's great but what if you are put in a spot where you need to heal then you're going to be out of the resources having all of that in mind in the combat itself is really smart and really well done absolutely and i think that i uh and i think that one of my only critiques on that is my first playthrough was on normal and i felt like for at least half of that game it was giving me so many supplies i felt like i was always full and that sort of changed toward the latter half but i'm playing on hard now and it's hard mode plus which the new game plus in this game is actually harder than like the original so if you play on normal New Game Plus is actually harder than normal. Um, so I, I went right to hard on that. And they actually, for the difficulty modes, they actually, one of the things they tweak is resources that you find. So you find a lot less resources, and it feels so much more scrappy and dangerous, and I, I'm really enjoying that. Yeah, I could definitely f- say that I played this game on normal. I played the first game on normal as well, and it did feel like I was pretty well stocked up until... Like the last chapter, that's when I started having to really manage resources. Um, but, you know, it's 
comfortable. I would say that if you're looking for harder options, those are definitely there. On the note of making the player comfortable, the subtitle and accessibility settings in this game are off the charts. They are so good. Like, Oh my god, that was the first thing I noticed when I booted up the game was, because I always check the options whenever I boot up a well, game, they, it's just the kind of person I am. They actually started up with that. Like, you can't start the game without going into the accessibility menu, so they allow you to customize it right from the beginning. And it feels like... Oh, it's so good. Like, it doesn't feel like accessibility options in the sense that, like, you know, just the, your generic whatever subtitles... It feels like they're allowing you to customize the experience to make it more accessible. It feels like a different mentality. And it is something that every video game needs to just copy. It's incredible. Yeah, um, I would strongly recommend just looking up all of the accessibility options. I think it's on like the PlayStation website or the Naughty, the Naughty Dog, one of those, um, where they just list all of them. It is massive and it is extremely, extremely welcome. In the first episode, I criticized the subtitles because they were pretty bad in the first game. This one, it is insane. They are the best subtitles in any video game I have ever played, and that is not an exaggeration. And this is a game that's not afraid to let you sort of break some things to make it more accessible. Like, you can tone down the enemy difficulty while leaving in, like, the resource scarcity. Or you can make it so you have, like, a little radar telling you where the enemies are. Or um, one of the subtitle options points to the enemy that's saying something like that's that's so cool honestly and it feels like they're not afraid to let people do that which i think a lot of developers are and one of the things that genuinely and to clarify and to give context i am a person with visual impairments and i've sort of fixed that by having a nice big tv which does help me a lot and you know make me able to play a lot of games but before I had that, a lot of games were kind of difficult for me. And one of the things that legitimately dude brought a tear to my eye, because I'm like, God, every game needs to let you do this. There's an option where you you hit the touchpad, I think, three times or push up on it or something. It'll just zoom wherever mid-gameplay. So you can create a huge zoom on in the environment. So, like, if, you know, if you're visually impaired, you can be like, is that a guy over there? Or is that, like, a tree or whatever? Like, you can just do that anywhere in mid-gameplay, which is incredible. Please, every developer, don't be afraid of that. Let people do that. It'll allow more people to play your game and have fun with it. It's so cool. Yeah, no kidding. And I'm someone whose vision is not great. I mean, I have glasses and they're fine. But having that option to, you know, do the, have subtitles that are really readable and distinct and pointing to where the character is, is fantastic. Um, This game also has an amazing mode called high contrast mode, which just turns everything grayscale and then highlights player and um, companion characters as blue interactive items as yellow and enemies as red. And that's all it needs to do. You know, you just get like, sure. It turns down the graphics and you can't really tell color and all that because it's only four colors, but Oh my God, it was a lifesaver for me. This was the first game that I played with HDR and, you know, just on the graphics alone, fantastic. But the contrast that is on by default is so, so strong that dark areas were almost just completely un- 
untrackable. I could not tell what was going on. It was just black except for my character. So having that high contrast mode was so helpful for, for me up until I changed my HDR settings and, and fixed yeah, it. But the high say, contrast mode, I did fix it eventually <laughs> and it was it was better, but I still used that quite a bit just to make sure I didn't miss any resources, um, find the object that I was supposed to interact with because it's not always clear or be able to see the environment when I was solving a puzzle. Um, and all of that was so helpful. And you can do that mid gameplay. It's not like a setting that you have to turn on and off. You just swipe on the touchpad and it turns it on swipe and it turns it off. So you can have those gorgeous graphics. And then when you need to, you know, focus in swipe, turn it on, look, find the puzzle solution, turn it off and then get back into the atmosphere so so cool and if that's not your thing you know you don't want it there there's no harm in that you just don't turn it on (laughs) the 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 accessibility settings are off the charts it is insane and just to highlight how cool that that is that high contrast mode this is again i'm going to reiterate this the most beautiful video game i have ever played i have a high-powered pc where i can play things at max settings nothing looks as good as this this game is incredible looking it is top-notch, top of the line. There's nothing better looking than this game. And they let you fuck it up with the mode that turns the world gray. How cool is that? Like, that's amazing. Honestly. Yeah, honestly, I saw that. And, I mean, I'm getting teared up right now just thinking about it. But everything from, you know, you could... There's even settings for um, not only just, like, audio-impaired people, like the subtitles and things that will show where that sound effect that plays when you're getting spotted show that show up on your reticle stuff like that but then also just stuff that like the simplest stuff of having the text on screen be read to you like that is something that you don't see very often but is so important to the people that it matters to which i might not be one of them but it doesn't do me any harm to have that in there but the people that need it it does so much good Every game from now on needs to follow this example. Literally go down the list, steal all of these. And I believe Naughty Dog has said they're going to be providing sort of documents and work for this for, you know, for free, which is great and really, really what a service that they're doing. And honestly, they should just be giving all the credit and respect for that in the world. Like, I've, I've seen people tweeting about how, like, they love video games. They don't usually play these kind of violent games, but they bought this to support it because they have impairments, right? And this this makes it playable for them. That's so cool. Yeah, go go read all of the things. Um, it is insane. You know, motor disabilities, audio, video, um, like pretty much anything. If you you can customize most everything about this game to make it more comfortable for you. I mean, I heard, you know, and they were not a dog employees, granted. But I, I heard them saying, hey, we made this so, like, even if you were completely blind, you could play this thing from start to finish. Wow. Yeah, that is insane. Like, what a fucking cool thing that you, honestly, probably didn't have to go through because most people ignore disabilities. And what a beautiful thing. We were talking about the graphics, and oh my god, this game looks so good. I mentioned this is the first game I played with HDR, and I... Oh my god, everything from the water, the character models, the cloth physics, um, you know, gun effects, grass effects, everything looks so stunning. 
the lighting especially is insane um i am honestly stunned that this continues to run at a 60 fps on the ps4 um this is one oh of those things God, where like blew me away huh ps5 really now look at this thing <laughs> holy shit um I'm, I'm sure they're using a lot of technical stuff <laughs> to make all that work but jesus christ yeah that's the thing about hdr though like it works super well in extremes, either extreme color and huge vivid areas, so like cartoony stuff works really nicely in HDR, and just like the darkest, dankest, you know, like horror stuff works really well for HDR, so that makes, you know, this game's gonna shine. Like, HDR works really well when you have one light source in a dark area, and you can only see where that light source is, because everything else is pitch black. And like, this game and Resident Evil are some of my favorite examples of HDR, I think, like, they just look so goddamn good yeah that seeing where only where the light source was um was a big problem for me especially because they expect you to do like puzzles and stuff in the pitch dark and i was like okay i need to see but i had the option to fix that and i had the option for the high contrast mode and all of that so i didn't feel like i was completely at a loss or i needed to change my tv settings to be able to see it it was all just okay i messed up my settings somewhere i'll just go fix it and then the game was much more playable after that. Yep. Um, before we get out of gameplay, I want to make a correction. Last episode, uh, Last of Us episode, I had said, oh, the game doesn't really have quick time events. And then, like, in the middle of this one, a quick time event happened. And I went, oh, that's like the first game. Oh, wait. That game did have quick time events. The fuck's wrong with me? So sorry about that, guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. Both of these games are very chock full of quick time events. Yeah. I don't know um, what I was thinking. Um but I just wanted to Which you can, make that correction. You can customize the quick time events too if you want to. If they're rapid bu- button pressings as hard as my hands or anything, that's. Uh, I could go on and on about these. It is a masterclass in accessibility and a masterclass in what the PS4 is even capable of, honestly. Truly incredible. Well, let's uh, talk, let's do quickly, since we're just going to get into it anyway, um, to give the people who, you know, haven't played it yet and just want a quick opinion. Um, give me your quick opinion of the story. Um, actually, why don't you go first? I'll come, I'll go second. Uh, okay. I absolutely loved it. I think that I do have a couple of scenes I don't like. I think that there's a lot about the story that in the moment I was annoyed with, but later on I felt paid off. Um, there's just a couple elements, and it's kind of hard to talk about that stuff, you know, without spoiling it, but like, that I was like, oh, why are you doing that? And then later on I went, oh, okay, I actually like this outcome, and that makes sense to me. Um, one of them is kind of the biggest sticking point with this game that I felt that way about. Uh, there are just a couple of, of things that, like, just a couple of scenes that just stuck out to me. It's like, oh, you didn't need this here or whatever. But honestly, for the most part, I, I thought it was tremendous. I think it's wonderfully acted. I think I love the things that they're playing with, uh, theming-wise. But yeah, I um, I don't know. I, I felt like I connected with it for the most part and really, really enjoyed it. Despite, honestly, it being very, very long. And I generally have... When stuff gets this long, I generally don't like that. I think... Um, I don't know if I mentioned this in our Final Fantasy episode, but I felt like that game was too long. 
And like, I, I don't know, this was one of those weird cases where I am kind of outside the popular, like negative discourse about this game's length, where after finishing, I went, no, I like that it was this long. I like that it did these things. But yeah, that's my general quick opinion. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, I agree. I did really like the story. I like how it picked up uh, some of the loose threads at the end of the first one. Um, brought that around specifically with Ellie's character. I know that's a huge like advertising thing with Ellie, but I think that specifically her journey was handled pretty well. I did really think this game was too long. <laughs> I know that's not that's not that uncommon to hear. No, you're but not alone in that opinion. So don't worry. <laughs> the the main thing about this plot that made it feel long was its pacing. I honestly think that the pacing of this story is awful, which is super harsh. And I realize that, but the entire second half of this game just wore me out. Cause I felt like I was, I felt like I was just waiting for the game to end, which is never a good thing for a game to do. Um, and I don't mind long games. You know, I thought final fantasy was a good length. I played final fantasy 15 recently. Um, that was, you know, long, but I really enjoyed all of that. It's just when the story felt like it was dragging because of the way it was paced out, um, that's when it started to annoy me. But once I got to the end, I and I started thinking about it over the last, I mean, three weeks since it came out, but also just over the week after I finished it, I ended up you know, thinking back on those elements and thinking, yeah, actually, that was actually really well done. A lot of the characters, the main characters in that second half, I actually really enjoyed in the end. Um, and I thought they were really well done. The acting is out of this world. Like that is, they did an amazing job with that. There's no question about that. Um, I just feel like the pacing could have done with some more work. And then some dialogue just kind of rubbed me the wrong way where they just didn't need it and then some scenes are just way too gratuitous like you could just cut away from that and still get the same effect um but yeah so i have i have a lot of negative notes but overall i think it worked and it did it did really get me and i was really into the ending you know the ending really did hit me emotionally so i agree and i feel like just like the last game it's divisive for a reason and I do think that there are legitimate reasons to not like where the story goes, but I think that I appreciated it. Um, and I feel like it honestly feels very similar to the last game in that sense, um, to me at least. Yeah, I have some, you know, I can, looking at it more critically, not just sort of my personal preferences in a story, um, taking those out and looking at it more critically, I think just the way that it's paced out and the way that certain characters act specifically because this is a video game which i'll get into later but i think that's when it starts to fall apart i mean both of these games as much as i love them are really not my kind of thing you know they're pretty gritty they're pretty dark and that's kind of not my style of story but i definitely respect them for it but i don't know it's just it's just a couple little things that really rub me the wrong way and really made me not like certain parts of this story well let's get into that then so we're going to move on to spoilers which again i think we both recommended hey you should experience this game if you can um especially if you're listening to this years afterwards and it's super cheap go 
go check it out, you know? I, th I think it had a lot of negative things about it, you know, from people who haven't played it, so I, I think you should go form your own opinion about it. Um, but we're gonna get into spoilers now, so stop listening, please, until you've played it, and we'll see you next week. Oh, and I wanted to start doing this actually before we start getting into spoilers, because I think it makes more sense. Next week should be Anodyne 2, unless something could, like, something apocalyptic happens. Um, that should be your next episode, so be prepared for that. Next, next week. Yes. If I ever were to lose you, I'd surely lose myself. Everything I have found here, I'm not found by myself. Try and sometimes you'll succeed to make this man of me. Okay, let's talk about the giant elephant in the room. Oh wait, is that an elephant? Or is that Abby's fucking muscles? Holy shit. <laughs> More ripped girls in games. I love that. Like, that was one of those shitty criticisms people had. Where like, It's not realistic, which fuck off. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> honestly, I love that. And I love the story, like... There is an underlying, and I think it's one of those writing moments that I really appreciated, where they never quite say why she's so ripped, but you kind of get, like, she's so ripped because she's becoming a killing machine because she wants revenge, which I love. I think that that's so cool in a story perspective, and I love her physique, and I love that in this in this apocalyptic world. It makes way more sense than, you know, being scrawny and whatever. Like, I, I if you can't obtain that, you know, if you have the resources the wolves have and have, a, like, an amazing gym or whatever... Yeah, of course you would do that. It just makes sense. Well, and she's a frontline soldier. Like, <laughs> yeah. she kind of needs that for her role. Like, I get that that's not the physique of someone who's going to be in the nursing division. But, like, come on. Yeah. It's... <laughs> get over yourselves. It's whatever. Yeah, but I, I love it. I love it so much. It's so distinctive. She doesn't look like any other video game character, which is sad, honestly. <laughs> but I... I um. I greatly appreciated her design. I guess that's not true. She looks like, you know, there are characters in Overwatch who are muscly women, but, like, in terms of mainline AAA characters, I really liked her design and what it represents and the representation it brings. Um, yeah, but you were referring to Abby's section, I assume? In the second half, yes. Um, let's get into that. Tell me about it. How do you feel? So the game starts off with, you know, the they're in Tommy Town. It's kind of just them hanging out they're doing their oh, i love calling and it tommy you... town <laughs> it reminds me a lot of Terry Terrytown town, from yeah. the wild but yeah <laughs> it's tommy town it's jackson wyoming i guess but it's tommy town now but then you play as abby for the first time in this sort of opening section and at first i was like okay cool you know we're just kind of getting these other characters in and then she sort of becomes like the villain for a little bit which We'll get into that later, but then... I would say she you know, becomes focus... a villain in the way you would... We, You know, we talked about Joel last episode, where, like... Which, I, I I, mean, I think is intentional, and that's the duality of these stories, right? Where it's like, yeah, that's a bad thing to do, but we get it, I think. At least... Yeah, no, end. but she she becomes the main She's like, the driving force for Ellie. Yeah, exactly. For sure. It's not villain-ish. It's, you know, she's the antagonist for the story. But then you get the entire first half of the game you're playing is Ellie going after um, Abby in Seattle. And it's like, okay, you know, you get this little bit with Abby and 
kind of relate to her a little bit and you get owen who i think sucks shit um <laughs> really <laughs> uh he does a shitty thing yeah. later on which is one of the scenes i don't like but i kind of liked that character because it was the one positive dreamlike character in this whole story i was kind of like you know this is a nice contrast um he's no, unrealistic as shit but <laughs> yeah that's fair because he's so you know he clashes so hard with everybody else but i i kind of appreciated that style of character in this gritty you know awful world where nobody's happy um and granted you know there are times when characters are happy um dina for example but like i i i kind of appreciated that tile that style of character um even though i think that scene with him later on really makes me angry and we'll talk about it later yeah but you pl- you play this whole first half going after abby and you're spending time with ellie and dina and then you know ellie kills uh what's her face um i forget her name now are you talking about in the uh, first part oh. she doesn't kill anybody no, at the end of her part, she kills Owen and the other girl. Oh, Mel. Mel. She kills Owen and Mel in the aquarium. Mel, who and then, I think your opinions about Owen, I feel the way about Mel. I hate Mel. That's fair. I, I kind of agree with that. I think she's got a um, throwaway character, but whatever. But then Ellie goes back to the um, the theater, and then Abby shows up and kills Jesse and takes Tommy hostage, essentially. And then it cuts. And then you play as Abby for like 12 hours. <laughs> and it's like if you were watching a TV show and you got to a cliffhanger and then you have to watch an entire different show <laughs> in its entirety before you get back to that cliffhanger. That's what really bugged me about it. I honestly thought that Abby's section was going to be a couple hours. You get some backstory. Cool. All into it. And then it kept going and going. And I was like, can we get back to the main plot please i feel like had this been restructured to have abby's sections sort of interspliced with ellie's you know have them go through the three days concurrently then i feel like i would have i would have been more on board with abby and you know they could have they could have easily split that up and had both characters sort of going through this and then you're not sure by the time they meet up like what to feel really and i feel like that could have been a lot more powerful than okay, I'm on Ellie's side for 12 hours and then I'm on Abby's side for 12 hours and then you get back to the cliffhanger and you're like, eh, okay, <laughs> like, cool. <laughs> um, that's what really rubbed me the wrong way about this game was the way that you do one half and then the other half rather than having them both sort of combined to be a cohesive whole. Hmm. I've heard that you know idea of floated out there and i to be honest that's one of those ideas i completely disagree with i don't feel like that would have had that effect i feel like if we had done that people would have been like ellie all the way still and i just don't feel like you would have that like i i just don't think it would have worked quite as well personally um and and maybe you know that would have come with like changes in levels and stuff and maybe i'm wrong about that but i feel like every time people switch to abby they'd be mad and i feel like that time with her is necessary for and as an audience member to get to know her and to in my case like fall in love with her i loved her character to the point where i honestly feel like her arc was more meaningful than ellie's like i by the end of her um her section in seattle at least i i was totally i was like nope this character all the way love her i think she's great you know she's got problems and like a lot of people in that world but like i loved her character so much but i i definitely had a roller coaster with it right where we started that flashback as abby and i was like oh cool 
we're gonna see what this is like we, you know we get to walk through the the wolf compound which i thought was awesome and you know we get to see things from her perspective but then there's the moment um after the the um that sort of set piece where you're on the trucks and you get into that like warehouse area and i opened my backpack and i went oh wait she has pelt upgrades oh this is a whole thing oh shit <laughs> Like, uh, yeah, that's where it started to get like, oh, wait, I'm going to have to be with this character a long time. You know, part of my, you know, I, I was frustrated at that moment because I'm like, well, I want to see what's happening with Ellie. I care about Ellie. But slowly as we went through that section, you know, as we kept going, I started appreciating it more and more. And I really, really loved Abby and a lot of her cast of characters, honestly, uh, on that side. Even if I think some of the storytelling elements on that side were the ones that frustrated me most. Um, and I guess I, I want to bring them up now and just talk about, I think that sex scene is real dumb. Oh God. I don't have a problem with a sex scene in a video game. That's not the issue. The issue is I just, I, I'm a person who fucking hates love triangles and I just feel like, uh, it sucked so much. It's it just like, it's so sh- like, why we didn't need that at all. It just, it doesn't add that much to the story. Like we, we know from context and from Abby's previous flashbacks that her and Owen were once lovers who still have feelings for each other. Like, we get it. We don't need to see it, honestly. And also, one little thing about that cutscene that really, really bugged me was she has the noose rope lied in her neck still. It's very visible, and Owen doesn't say shit. And I'm like, look, I get it's a shitty world where things happen, and you know, you probably expect your friends to get banged up when they you know come. But you would mention that, right? Like, that's not a normal thing. <laughs> I know that's <laughs> yeah, such a no small kidding. detail, but for a game and for a series of games at this point, and honestly, including the Uncharted games that are so, like, they care about details so much, it just really stuck out to me as a moment where I was like, why, did, why didn't you have that fade at least? Like, if you're not going to bring it up, then have it fade, and it wouldn't have been, you know, realistic in terms of her, the, her visually, but at least it wouldn't have made this super awkward. Because <laughs> I honestly think that that is, you know, apart from the act itself, that was something I couldn't get my head around where I'm like, you would mention that. You love this girl. You would be like, hey, yo, what the fuck? Did you try to kill yourself? Did somebody <laughs> hang you up? Did you get caught by scars? Like, there's so many things about that. I'm like, that sucks. And it's such a small thing. I know I'm complaining about it a lot, but I just hate that. I hate it so much. Well, and I think I read somewhere that that entire scene got censored out of a lot of different worldwide releases of the game, which I honestly would have appreciated for this version of the game, too. It was like about two minutes too long (laughs) i know the scene's probably only like 30 seconds but oh man i just i hated owen so much through the whole game so when that happened i'm like oh god i think in my notes which i've now deleted somewhere in here um i literally just wrote in my notes fuck this game (laughs) which is never a good thing for a video game to do and i've deleted it now out of my notes because i don't stand by that you know this game's great it's just that one scene just made me so angry it's the worst for a lot of just meta reasons yeah i just i I don't think it makes sense honestly like i get that they set up that owen and mel are kind of distant and they don't necessarily have the best relationship but like even then given the character they set up for owen who's kind of honestly childlike and it just doesn't feel right it just felt wrong and it's one of those moments where i just went this is awkward and you know, again, I want to reiterate, because I think it's easy to misinterpret this, it's not because it's a sex scene. It's just because of the whole context of it. That I just really was like, this this feels wrong. Um, and I get that he's drunk or whatever, but she's not. So, like, come on. I don't know. It's 
It's, I thought that was a poor scene, honestly. And we, it could have been achieved by just them having that talk in the boat instead of, you know, going, going all the way there. Um, it does lead into Mel getting her one good moment, in my opinion, <laughs> but that's it. <laughs> when she tells Abby that, like, you know, helping these kids isn't going to make you a good person, which is a great line and a great burn. Like, I was like, oh, that's really real. But other than that, I feel like it was completely unnecessary. And again, she could have delivered that line without that sex scene, honestly. And it, we would have gotten it. Yeah, and the whole scene set up to be this super, like, toxic relationship stuff, which I already hate. But that's beside the point. It's, um, you know, like, she's about to, like, just fucking attack him. And then they immediately just, like, jump into the the intimate stuff. And I'm like, can you just, oh, my God, it doesn't. For me, it just does not translate at all, and I know that's it's just like a super shitty relationship, and this is probably some of the rapport they had, and it's like, uh, it just it just really was not needed yeah. <laughs> at all. I agree, and I would contrast that with the, um, you know, Ellie, Dina, Jesse stuff, which, by the way, is not a love triangle. Like, it may look like one at first, but it's not, and I really, really deeply appreciated it, because when they first, you know, when Jesse showed up again, I was like, oh, shit, please don't go here. Please don't go here. Please don't. I fucking hate love triangles so much. And, I mean, to illustrate this, like, I love my favorite fantasy author in the world, Brandon Henderson. I love his books to death. He loves love triangles. He uses them constantly. And I just fucking hate that trope. I hate it so much. It's so tired and so boring. And it, the problem that I have is in most media, and granted, I don't think this game does that, even with the Abbey stuff. But a lot of times that's what the story becomes about instead of the actual interesting narrative and that's why i hate them uh with a burning passion um it also makes characters you're supposed to like shitty in a lot of cases like i feel that way about like the hunger games for example where like you've just made your hero unlikable to me because they're you know emotionally cheating on somebody or whatever so i i i really appreciated the stuff with ellie dina and jesse where jesse's not there to stir up the relationship he's there because he's a friend and, you know, I get, they, they do, through their acting, you get the vibes that Ellie is maybe a bit uncomfortable and maybe feels like, oh, shit, is this going to be a problem? But it's not. And I think that shines through with the performances, which I really deeply appreciated. I just wish they had been able to do that with Abby's story. No kidding. And I'm a person that doesn't love relationship plots at all. Like, I, and that's just me. I'm an aromantic person, so I just don't just don't care <laughs> um but you know when you have a good relationship like ellie and dina in this game it's like okay cool i'm i'm on board with this and then they just start throwing a bunch of relationship drama in it and i'm like i don't care and then it distracts from the rest of the game the whole owen uh mel and abby stuff i found really pointless like if mel had been there and mel and owen were together kind of just how like Ellie and Dean are together and Jesse's also there. I feel like that would have been fine and they have enough tension in their other plot lines as well to not need a love triangle or anything. At no point, and at least this is me speaking, uh, I don't know I can speak for you, but like at no point did I ever think Jesse was an asshole. In fact, I think Jesse was a great friend, right? That's not yeah, how I felt 100%. about Owen after the scene, right? <laughs> Which is what they wanted me to feel like that. And I was like, well, no. <laughs> And Abby, honestly, like, just both of them, I'm like, you should have done that. Why did you do that? Like, that's bad. 
and I get that it's more realistic if your shitty characters do shitty things and like but that's no not one what in this in game these characters a... boundaries like they set up these, like you said we've been playing with Abby for like 10 hours at this point at no point do I ever feel like they're this way like we've spent so much exactly. time with them yeah, it comes I don't out feel like they're field. cheaters or they're you know they would be this emotionally dishonest with each other and that's I just think that's a huge problem I have and it sucks because that you're right that seems like 30 seconds and it just sticks with me in that way <laughs> Yeah, it was honestly the worst part of this entire story for me. But, you know, a lot of the the characters in this game are not good people. And I think that's kind of the point. Not kind of. I think that is 100% the point. <laughs> it is, you know, a bunch of complex people doing bad things for sometimes bad reasons or good reasons or complicated reasons. Or and doing good things sort of finding, for bad reasons. Right? We... Yeah, it's finding all of that sort of moral gray and that's sort of the whole plot is you're you have these two protagonists who both do really shitty things and are both kind of doing the same shitty thing to each other and you're supposed to like one of them or both of them or in my case neither of them by the end and i think that's entirely the point of the story and i think that works you know it's not it's not a heroic story you don't have a hero at all and that i was gonna say that works but my biggest problem is that this is a video game <laughs> and here's my explanation for this with a video game you have player interaction and having a game with no story with no hero and having you play as one of these shitty people can work but only if you give the player reason to do those and i feel like i the player was not in control of the character hmm. i was in control of the gameplay and the game and that's different from controlling the character my biggest example of this is i don't know if this was a random like event or whatever but i was fighting the the wolves and one of them stopped and laid down and didn't have her gun on her and she was begging to be spared. And so I, as the player, was like, okay, cool. I'm not going to shoot this person because that sucks. And they're backed off. They're not, they're not a threat right now. Just going to leave them be. And I walked away. And then immediately they turn up, start their AI system back up and immediately start firing on me. And again, and I'm like, wait, no, but now I have to kill them to advance to the next area. <laughs> so it's like, this wasn't respected. If it had been, so that's you know, not, she surrenders uh, uh, and then sorry, she I'm going to stop you because um, that's actually, that's happened to me a couple times. And sometimes they do just bleed out. And then sometimes they do go for their gun again, which personally, I feel like having that randomness actually makes that better. Um, because I would agree with you if that happened every time, but it makes them feel a little bit more like people to me, even if that is super desperate and shitty, right? Like, I, I feel like that makes those combat encounters a lot more gritty, which is what they're going for, um, to have, you know, that could happen and that person could either just do nothing and let you pass or they could get back on their feet and start shooting again. Um, but that, okay, is, that I is didn't a know at all that they would event. just get up and leave. Yeah. Because um, it only happened to me once. They don't. Leave, I was... believe they always bleed out or attack you again. So you know you're not sparing them, um, which you know I get from a gameplay perspective that it would be pretty awkward to have that character you know exit left stage or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, sorry, continue. But with then, your point. I think that 
I think that could happen though. I feel like they could have that character run off and then not have that sort of you that player would have the choice to kill them and get rid of another enemy or let them go and have that be respected by the game rather than okay you have to kill everyone um but then the other thing is that the game tries to pull this morality question of you know we have to spare this person especially towards the end of the game um where abby is about to kill dina and then it's like okay well you can't and then lev is like you can't and then she doesn't it's like okay that's all great and i do appreciate that but this is also a video game where you force me to kill a bunch of people who are like established to be family members <laughs> you know you go through the entire um the entire seraphite like camp and you kill so many of them and you kill so many of them through the whole game and then it's like okay this one person is plot important so mm, we should think about this and it's like that kind of morality just I get that it's like a different situation, but they don't ever reflect on, oh, we just killed a fuck ton of people. It's, uh, well, this one person, I do feel guilty about that, but fuck all those other guys. I don't, I, I disagree with you on that case. Um, and I think that's borne out to, um, context for me where think about the people that these, these people are hunting. Ellie's, you know, mostly killing wolves and some seraphites. And with the case of the seraphites with her, it's almost exclusively self-defense. Um, you know, the first time you meet them, they shoot you with an arrow right away. But with the wolves, she hates the wolves irrationally. And I think that that's part of the plot, right? Um, you know, she just, like, every time she refers to them, these wolf fuckers, you know? Like, it's very much a blind hatred kind of thing. And 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 also, the wolves shoot first, right? Uh, they, do, they do talk about it at certain points where they're like, it was just Jesse who pops up, who's like, they just started fucking shooting at me. Like, you know, um... Also illustrating the differences in culture between Jackson and the wolves in Seattle. And so that was a nice touch. But, uh, and, and then Abby, she's part of the wolves. And the wolves have this hatred of the Seraphites. Which again, I think feeds into the mainline plot of this game. Or the mainline morals and sort of what it's trying to show you. The wolves are, the wolves are perfectly capable of letting the Seraphites go. Like, honestly, they're this highly militaristic, like, they have all these resources, they don't have to be doing what they're doing, and it just seems like, like, you pick up some information in some of the collectibles, where you're just kind of learning about kind of this pointless war that's happening, and I don't know, I, I, I really thought that, I really like that in the sort of context, and Abby, I think she has bought into the wolf culture at that point, and I think that that shows when, you know, it's, I think it's one of the strongest moments of the game, where she grabs Lev and is like, you're my people. Right and and it doesn't matter anymore and I'm just getting you out here because I care about you. Um, I've you know I think she has that and I think she's been having that realization throughout the whole thing, but this that moment is when it clicks when she's like no fuck it this is stupid all these people are stupid what are we doing? So I I don't know I I, I kind of got to disagree with you there I think a lot of these cases it's either shown through you know blind rage which is what this game is trying to show you or it's literal self defense. Yeah I. I completely agree with that actually the um especially with you know there being sides to this you know ellie versus the wolves i get that there's not really a morality question there even though you know ellie just is blind to that i get that and i do want to um, real quick i want to finish my point sorry with the dina stuff where she's holding the knife to dina dina hasn't attacked her you know dina is sure she's part of this group but i i think somebody yells out she's pregnant ellie tommy i don't remember 
you know, and it, I think it is this moment of like, no, you, this has gone too far. And I think that's mirrored later on towards the ending, which I do think we should save. Talk about the end of this discussion. But when, you know, Ellie's holding the knife to Lev, I think it's, I think it's the same thing, except Ellie starts acting on that. Um, and Abby does not, right? And, and I do think that part with Abby is so important because that comes after the part where she realizes this has all been stupid. And even though she's still driven by revenge when she goes to the theater, I, I, I just think it's the end of that arc for her. Like, her arc finishes there, which I, I don't know. I really liked her arc, and that, that's why I ended up loving her arc more than Ellie's, because I just think it's so complete, and it works so well for me. And Sorry, continue. Yeah, uh, you know, I think the specifics, I do feel like there's character reasons for all of these straight up murders <laughs> but it's the lack of sort of consideration because this game is so you know real and i get that they're like super hardened by this environment but once they stop and think about it then they're not immediately like i feel like i could have seen a little bit more regret especially from from abby because she is a wolf who is going after the seraphites and then she then turns on the wolves for killing the seraphites but then she continues to kill the seraphites and there's not really this moral back and forth of i shouldn't be killing the wolves and or i could shouldn't be killing the seraphites it's well now they're all in the way and now they're all enemies even though she could probably i don't know because there's so many just weird um I felt like the morals kind of got a little crossed when I was playing it. And especially because I was a person who was like, okay, these are just people. Like, I don't kind of, I kind of don't want to shoot these enemies, but then they, you know, the character does. And I, I don't know. It kind of, it just rubbed me the wrong way. And I'm. Is that down to you thinking And by the way, this isn't a criticism of you. So, you know, keep that in mind is this down to you wanting the story to mold to what you like or are you just not liking what the character is doing because i do think there's a certain element to this where this is not a choose your own adventure story this is a story about these characters not what you want them to do right and i feel like that was a big th- talk about the ending of the last game where people were like uh i guess spoilers for that even though why are you listening to this if you don't want those but people were like i don't think joel would do that you know i i want that choice and it's like well that's not your it's not your story it's joel's story um do you think that do you does that make sense yeah i'm i i think you're right you know it is sort of um and i think i have in my in my notes somewhere around here but it's a i'm spoiled by games that do that where they are sort of more like they they take into account the player's actions whereas this it feels more like this is the story and you're along for the ride, which is a completely valid way of making a video game. It's just, I don't know it, the, when it wanted me to connect with my player character and root for their survival and then not let me sort of be in their shoes. It kind of left me a little distant, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I think it, I think it does. I, you know, this is a thing where I, I think just personally, I disagree. I don't like, we talked about it a bit earlier. I don't think this game wants you to be rooting for a character, especially at that midpoint. And that after you've been in Abby's shoes, 
I think you're kind of realizing that, like, like for me as a player, I was kind of like, oh no, this is going really bad for these people. And it was the moment, honestly, where you were sneaking into the theater as Abby, where I just had this heart-sinking feeling in my chest, where I went, oh no, this is really, really, really bad. Like, I these characters are making choices that are not choices I would make, not choices you would make, but they're making these choices and it feels bad to go through with it. And I think that that's kind of the idea is they don't want you to feel good about the, the actions these characters are taking. Um, they want you to have that heart sinking feeling and feel like this is like, this feels gross. Like a lot of it feels gross. And I think that the idea was to deconstruct, you know, a character we love in Ellie and kind of make you feel like bad that she's doing any of this and not on her side, honestly, um, which is interesting and I think you know spawned a lot of negative reaction. But like, I I I kind of I kind of love it that they that's the route they went. And I do too. Um, I honestly really like what they've done with Ellie's character, how she's become this sort of more brutal version, kind of of what Joel was in the first game. You know, she's she shows some confliction about being this brutal in like the interrogation when she's doing the same you know tell me what they said um interrogation style oh, with one uh, of the best Owen in the and game, Mel. By the way. it's so good and it shows her sort of you know she's not wanting to do this but she's doing it because this was the situation that was given to her and i love what they did with her character there the big problem that happens here is that there's a difference between making a scene playable and making a cutscene. And when you have, you know, Abby sneaking into the theater and you're like, oh shit, this is really bad. If this was a cutscene, then yes, I would be totally on board. I'd be like, okay, fuck. I got like, I'm going to have to play after this and this is going to be a big deal. But when I have the controller and I can walk the other way and the game says no, it feels different. You know what I'm saying? Um, to be honest with you, not really. Like, I, I just don't think I, I vibe with your criticism, uh, which is fine, by the way. Um, it's totally valid. I just, I don't know. I like that through gameplay, they make me do these things I don't want to do. I, I kind of like that. I like, you know, for lack of a better metaphor, pushing the stick forward when I don't want to do that as a person. I like, you know, I like the, the fight at the end of the game, which I actually not going to talk about it yet. Um, I like that stuff. I think that that stuff is feelings that games don't usually you know give me like that just like sinking heart feeling i can't believe we're doing this oh i guess we're i guess i have to do this shit i don't want to do this i i i, I don't know you know i, I don't want to discount your your feelings on that at all um because it, it's valid i i totally get it um i don't know is there anything else you want to say about that um yeah and i it's definitely a case-by-case basis because certain stuff like like there's certain fights and there's certain areas where putting the player into that situation and forcing them to do a thing definitely works. And I definitely related to that in certain ways, but then having certain things where there's not really stakes, then it's like, okay, the character can do this by themselves that you don't need me telling them what to do when you're not really letting me tell them what to do. I don't know. It's just such a such a specific thing that I can completely chalk up to personal preference. Um, you know, I'm going to mention I'm going to mention Doom a second time in this Last of Us <laughs> series, which is unusual, I know, but 
that game has such a specific way of respecting what the player wants the character to do and they're not at all the same game and i don't think you could do anything similar in the way but having that sort of player action represented by character action it's very different um there's a great uh game makers toolkit video that went up recently about um mass effect and how having the player's actions represented in a tough story moment makes it more impactful than if that was just made for them and you know if i were to fuck up a situation and then the story represented that then i would be more invested in that rather than watching a bunch of terrible people do a bunch of terrible things and that is completely 100 percent personal preference and i completely admit that but and that's not what this game is trying to do. It's trying to tell its story rather than have options for what the character, what the player is going to make the story be. Fair, fair enough. That that's kind of just that was kind of my my opinion as I was playing it. Um, you know, totally not a criticism of the game. The game is what it is, and I think it's completely valid for doing that. Um, that was just my experience there. No, cool. Um... Let's talk about some of the gameplay aspects I didn't want to spoil before, because I want to talk about the stalkers. Yes, I stalkers. love that enemy, dude. We were talking about the last episode how we were talking about the David boss fight, which I do think they do better, by the way, with the Ellie boss fight, which we can talk about in a second. But like, I love that they made an enemy that you know approximate that while being different. Like the stalkers are so cool. I I love them. They're some of the greatest sources of horror in this game. Yeah, and I was talking about earlier where I hold myself in a, up in a room and put like the trap bombs around this was the encounter that i did it was when the stalkers are kind of still new like one of their first encounters but it didn't super work because the stalkers know how to sneak around and not engage you and that was so cool really really just like what a way to take that mechanic and and give it to a normal enemy I think the one thing I was a bit disappointed in, and the one thing I, I don't remember if I mentioned this last time, I wanted humans to do that as well. Like, just start going stealth. Um, and I'm, I, I'm a little bummed they didn't do that in this game, but, like, man, so cool. I, I think the stalkers are one of the coolest enemies in this game. Also, there's no better feeling in the world than sneaking up on one of those little fuckers. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Man. Yeah, those enemies specifically are probably one of the best inclusions like them and the dogs i think are just phenomenal absolutely Um, yeah they completely change up the gameplay and then when they throw that in with clickers and other enemies and you have this sort of push and pull of being swarmed by these stalkers but then they sort of disperse after you've taken out because they run from you the clickers yeah that is such a different interaction and makes it so much different that it's really engaging and really you interact with these enemies in a completely different way. It's super great. Absolutely. Um, I also, I want to mention the Seraphites in terms of gameplay because they don't behave that differently from the wolf enemies or the enemies from the last, from the end of the game. But I think through, through the um, audio, they are one of the most terrifying enemies. Like the whistling gave me chills. Like it was so scary. And that first encounter with you with, that you have with them, that sort of massive like parking garage area, 
like where there's like it feels like there's hundreds of them like there's so many out there and i just like every time you kill one and you hear that whistle you're like oh shit somebody saw it like there's something about it that instead of them screaming a name or whatever or just saying oh fuck somebody's down over there like the whistling i found to be kind of uniquely terrifying yeah i i would agree with that it's definitely a unique way to give them like a different feel it gives them a different Um, cultural feel too which i I think is cool and i feel like they do that honestly with all three factions even the last one which i think is weaker but i still appreciate like you tried to make these enemies feel different and i i really really I, i like that a lot yeah i think so um and having that because the whistling is such a thing where they sort of adapted it as a way to you know hide their speech from the wolves but also give them more distance with their speech and I love that because it's sort of, they do talk English and, oh yeah, or speak English rather, but they, when they are closer and there are people to talk to closer, but then when they're far away or it's a more urgent thing, then the whistling comes in and it is really dynamic. And I love that. It's high pitched, it's sudden, and it's terrifying. It feels like a dynamic system for jump scares and I just, brilliant, like really smart. Yeah, um, and then the last like sort of gameplay enemy I want to talk about is the Rat King, because Yubigata, that Resident Evil ass, like... <laughs> oh, yes, the, the amalgamation. What a fun, terrifying, but really fun moment in this game, in an Abby's campaign. Like, so cool. Yeah, and it shows up out of nowhere, and I'm like, oh my god, and... In this area, there's also the wall stalkers, which are also a pretty cool enemy where they're, you know, stuck in the wall. So if you walk too close to them, they'll jump out and get you. I love that. That's such a horror trope that is super cool. I love that. Um, but then at the end of the level, you get the the freaking zombie ball that rolls out and <laughs> attacks you. And it's the scariest thing. Did you see, and I didn't read the story, which makes me a bad person, but... There's a picture, um, I forget which gaming outlet tweeted it, but how they motion captured it. Oh, gosh, it's just no. Naughty Dog employees duct taped to each other. One of them's hanging upside down, you know? It's so cool. <laughs> what a... What a I, I, man, it works. Yeah, like, I, I love that moment. Well, and I love, like, when you've done enough damage and the one peels itself out of the ball God, and so becomes a stalker evil. enemy on the side. It's so good. Um and it just shows how like all of the pieces still have this individual consciousness in some form and oh it's so creepy and it's such a cool fight that puts your combat skills to the test while also giving you escape routes to hide honestly shout out to the hospital which you know i think in both campaigns provided my favorite some of my favorite arenas like yeah i yeah. i loved that whole section in general um with both games that because with ellie that arena is so big and like like with the first game, and I feel like they understood that, the best arenas are the ones that are massive and full of enemies. Like I think the combat system is good enough to be able to handle that, and it just it works so well. I think it's also a technical thing where now they're the first game was on the PS3, and this one's on the late PS4, where they really understand how the technology works, so they can fit all of that AI onto the screen. By the way, we talked about how good the first game looked. Uh, how mind-blowing was it when you saw those recreations of the first game scene? You were like, oh, <laughs> wait, never scene. mind. I'm sorry. That was... <laughs> sure, it looks great, but fuck, not this good. Like, the first thing is they open this garage door and all the leaves blow up when they do that. I'm like, oh my god, this is so much better. Well, even when Joel is kind of giving you your 
backstory and they're just showing these cutscenes of them and I'm like, oh, Joel's beard has white hairs in it then. Oh, uh, I can see all the individual pores on fucking Ellie's face. Like, it's just like, <laughs> you're just like, oh, uh, I guess that game was dated, I guess. Thanks, Naughty Dog. <laughs> um, I mean, it still looks great. It's oh, yeah. just when you compare it to the new one, you're like, oh my god, <laughs> like technology really is amazing. Yeah. Um, holy cow. Um, the other kind of standout gameplay uh, moment. Oh, sorry. What's up? No, go ahead. I was um, going to talk about one of my favorite gameplay moments, so oh. we'll get into that. You know, you might have the same one, so go ahead. Um, I was going to talk about the the burning village sequence towards the end of Abby's section. Man, Naughty Dog has mastered the roller coaster linear. Like, they just, they're the masters yeah, of it. Yeah, no Nobody's kidding. done it better. Not like, I don't know, not Doom, not fucking Fallen Order, or not, nobody. Nobody is as good as them at that. Well, and I, and it's cinematic in a way that, and there's certain parts of it that do, you know, just take the control away from the player and force that force a story beat to happen. That's totally fine, especially for this game where that's kind of the point. But there's so many elements that are so fluid through here and a lot of just environmental stuff where as you're going through the level, it's becoming more on fire and you can just hear like the voices of the wolves coming in and you can explore like this pretty realistic layout of a village that they've built um that's still sort of mixed in with some of the old stuff from the island it's so so good and the emotions that sort of ride up until the ending of that sequence are so so good yeah by the way one of my favorite um small storytelling details about this whole area is they keep referring it to the island and you get there and you see the space needles on it and, and for me i'm like i'm pretty sure the space needles not on an island and then I realized, no, it's because Seattle is super flooded that it created this kind of unnatural island that wasn't there before, which I love. I think that's such a cool little world-building lore detail that um, they don't really ever point to. I just think it's really cool. Yeah, that is super, super smart. And it also does a good job of like explaining like how the, you know, why the wolves haven't wiped out the scars yet because they're literally an island away. Um, which I, I think is a nice touch. Yeah, and there's some, like, hinted at backstory of some truces that have happened, and, you know, they sort of let the Seraphites go and live on the island away from them, but now that they're sort of coming back, they want to wipe them out finally, so they load up a bunch of boats. Um, yeah, it's super well done there. Yeah, for sure. I'm surprised you mentioned that one, because the one I think about as being one of the best action sequences in video games is the uh the car with jesse yes that i have that in my notes as well it is so good because holy shit what a tense action scene and it's because the first game didn't really have too many of those if any like i think the fridge moment where you get thrown up in the air is kind of the one i think of but other than that they don't really have too many of those roller coaster rides like uncharted does these two moments the horse riding um through the village and the car scene are very uncharted except i think they're even better and they're just really tense and scary but also thrilling and exciting and like man when that clicker runs through the windshield and it's just like this is like like my heart is going a hundred miles like it's just so good <laughs> yeah um i think the one thing about those that does kind of take me out of it a little bit is the fact that they give you infinite ammo which is very much appreciated because those scenes yeah. would be unplayable if they weren't i just don't think that would be possible but, I know, but it's just that sort of like 
disconnect between okay this is a big action sequence and this is the rest of the game it's sort of but it, it wouldn't be playable without that infinite ammo so i don't i don't know how they would do that but it's it's still insane by itself it's it's stuff like that and then there's a couple like seraphite um what i referred to as punch out bosses where you're playing punch out with the enemy i love those I really do. I know some people think they're a bit janky, but I, I, I just thought they were so cool. I, I loved them, except that it takes the HUD away, so then you don't have the health bar, which means that you can't die. So it's like, okay, the tension sort of is gone I don't think for that's a meta true, reason. The screen starts to go red. I mean, yeah, I didn't get far enough hits. to die. But but I didn't like... die either, so maybe that's not the case, but I don't know. I, I feel like, especially the one at the end of the village, when that happens... I was so into the moment. I didn't even notice the HUD melt of the way. I was just like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Can't die, can't die. Like, I don't know. But but yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, I don't know. It's just when they have these gameplay and story sequences so linked, like when Ellie gets shot with an arrow and it's still in sort of cinematic camera, but then the HUD shows up and you have to pull it out. It's like, oh shit, no, this is real. Then when you get into this, it's like, okay, it's fake. But I don't know. It's super... Like, it's such a minute detail that the way that this game tells its story, it kind of disconnects it. It didn't take any of the tension out of... I mean, it took a little bit, but it was still a very tense... <laughs> you know, that horseback scene and that um, car with Jesse are fantastic. Um, and I have it in here to compare it to that fridge when Joel's hanging upside down. It was a very similar gameplay moment but this has so much more intensity and so much more what feels like whether it's true or not uh just stakes for the character you see the clickers reaching at your friends and at you and you're put on edge to shoot them it's so so well done yeah and even the small there's like a there's a moment in that car that car chase where like you know it transitions from the wolf shooting at you to all the clickers and shit and like you even see like the clickers run into the wolves so like you get that transition through visual storytelling which i think is brilliant and again they are the masters at this honestly i don't think anybody can take that away from them yeah i i also want to talk about the ellie boss fight with abby and it's an interesting one i think for me personally i think it's an evolution of the david boss fight in the perfect way where person i think that they nailed it I think that she uses. I think that Ellie is scary in that moment, like, especially after finishing Abby stuff and really getting to know and like uh, Abby. I I was kind of horrified. Um, I, I think Ellie comes across like I think that's one of those moments. I'm like, oh, when Ellie's hunting you, she's scary as shit, and I don't know. I really liked that moment. Yeah, and um, and as she gets sort of smarter throughout the fight, you know she starts laying trap bombs and you so can cool. see them and then i love how you can hear her listen to the chains backpack. rattling and yeah so good uh yeah it is i mean it's something that games have tried to do a lot where they try and get two playable characters to fight and how do you make that convincing this really did it um i did have a glitch when i was doing this where the strike prompt just would not work <laughs> like oh, i would get sucks. there and the strike prompt would hit and i'd hit the button and then she'd kill me and i'm like that sucks but i'm sure like once i got the specific timing right it was totally fine um 
and when you like sort of fall down at that lower area and there's the chains and there's bottles and stuff that you can use to distract each other and oh it was it's so good it's a really really great stealth boss i i completely agree i think gameplay spoilers that's kind of it i don't know if there's anything else i want to talk about lev yes and this by the way which you're about to talk about is what of is what i referred to a couple of problems i have the story this is one of them i assume which you're gonna get to um maybe because <laughs> lev was my favorite character in the entire game no joke like he was great i just loved him from start to finish i mean it helps that he's not as shitty of a person as a lot of the other characters you're not really conflicted but the biggest lev is is my favorite character in the game but also the biggest problem with the story. And that's so strange to me because if you, you know, we're already in the spoiler section. Lev is a trans man. He's still super young, but like that's the main plot for him is that, you know, he shaved his head and was like, this is who I am. And then the Seraphites exiled him and his sister and they leave and then abby finds him and yada 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 you know um but lev's whole plot line is that he is suffering from like transphobia which is such a shitty trope for media to do where they have a trans character and it's great representation except that they don't really have a whole lot of things to do other than have transphobia put on them which super sucks (laughs) you know that's just that's that's shitty representation right there yeah and this was what i was referring to i agree i think that the thing they're going for is they're going for a religious allegory right they the seraphites are extremist christians or whatever you want to say i guess extremist is to being too nice um but like that is what they're going for with it but I agree. It's like you you can tell these stories without, you know, putting this specific trope and trauma onto these characters. It reminds me of like, honestly, it's gotten to the point where I I kind of feel the same way about like the damsel in distress trope, where it's like, sure, you can tell an affecting story using it, but like, it's so tired at this point. Why? Well, and you can do so much better by not having it. You know, it's super easy. (laughs) It's, it's super easy to have trans representation in a video game it's super easy to write a story that doesn't have damsel in distress stuff it's just do it (laughs) like you know just have a character say okay cool they're trans that's it (laughs) move on like i honestly thought they could have pulled that with abby you know it would have been sort of problematic and oh well this is a ripped woman so it's obviously a trans woman like that sucks too which i mean that was one of the fake rumors that was going around that abby was trans which you know because people are shit yeah that um, would have been shitty too but yeah. like if but then if her character just didn't like if it just wasn't a big deal right then i think that would have been great but you know to have this like this trans character where their only real story significance is that they have their families turned on them and everyone's transphobic towards them except for the good guys it's like you could not (laughs) absolutely um and i think it's frustrating when you even uh you know when you contrast it with ellie right where personally and granted 
I, I, I should mention, I am a person who you can't relate on the level because I'm not a trans person or a, a gay person. So, like, it's, you know, take what I say with a grain of salt. It's absolutely fair for, you know, sorry, I'm struggling to say it. But, like, I personally, looking at Ellie's character, and I, I, I think that, like, there are moments of this game where she has to deal with assholes that are handled so well. Um, where, like, in the beginning of the game, right, she has to deal with, uh, his name's Seth? Uh, what, Dickhead McGee from Tommytown? Yep. Right. Okay, yeah. We're, you know, this... <laughs> I think he's Seth. Bigot asshole. <laughs> bigot sandwiches, which is a great line. Um, <laughs> but, like, it, at no point, you just feel like, oh, that guy's an asshole, right? Like, this isn't Ellie's story. This is just something she has to put up with. And, and you know, you get some of the stuff with Joel where he's like, oh, you looking at Jesse? And she's like, no. <laughs> You got that one wrong. But I think that that makes sense conceptually when you think about how old Joel is and how he comes from 2013 as a Texan. Like, that all makes sense, I think, logically and story-wise. And none of it feels, you know, shitty, you know, except for the Seth stuff. But, like, that's what it's meant to feel like. And But that's not her whole story, right? Like, that's not the point of her tale. And I just I just think that, like, it's. It, I agree. It's a bit frustrating to have this character be this one thing. Well, and, like in left behind you know you get that sort of queer representation of ellie whether she's bisexual or anything else you know you get that and it's super organic and it's super realistic where that's just how it is you know she falls in love with her friend because they're close and they're friends and you know shit goes wrong for infection reasons but that aside that representation is solid other than the you know bury your gaze trope and all that but then in this one they sort of redeem that where her and dina have this super solid relationship for pretty much the whole game um up until like you know the very very end and it all feels super realistic and even the way that relationship falls apart feels realistic to me it doesn't feel like oh because we killed dina which by the way was one of the things i was super scared about when this game was coming out i was like oh god please don't do that yeah they could have easily fallen into that trope a second time yeah especially showing this new character that was going to be you know relevant and important i was like oh please don't please don't please don't and i'm really glad they didn't but but yeah i I like that that relationship falls apart in a way that like it's not because somebody killed her you know it's not because you know for whatever reason it's not because she died giving birth or whatever you know the billion different ways (laughs) yeah no which i was also scared about which is why by the way when that supply started happening i was like oh fuck please don't (laughs) Um, please don't be star wars episode three <laughs> yeah yeah for sure which um, you know that was one of those things where i was like when that was introduced i was like oh fuck no 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 and i ended up really liking where it went personally i get that people have problems with it but sorry i rambled and lost the point <laughs> yeah no but that that representation is super solid um but then when you get to it's like they're not having this homophobic trope they're having a transphobic trope which is just like oh they miss the point and i want to say this game has great queer representation especially for a triple a video game since that rarely happens but then having this trans character continually suffer from transphobia and be dead named the entire game by the enemies sucks <laughs> and is also super triggering for trans people which is not good like that's my biggest problem with the characters regardless lev is still a super great character and ended up being my favorite part of the whole game and even when abby's section like drug on a little longer than i thought it needed to be lev was there and it was great like that's 
one of the main reasons I enjoyed Abby's character because that shows her character as well. You know, she takes care of Lev and Yara before she dies. But then, you know, that's Abby's sort of transformation from this sort of murderous wolf to being this caring figure for Lev and doing more to protect him rather than, you know, kill for the sake of it. Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk about Abby and sort of what she represents because to me i think clearly like they're yelling it at you abby is joel from the first game and i think that's you know obvious through lev you know her taking care of a child and i, and I think that's what works into the ending but i also think they even do it mechanically because she has to use shivs like joel did and like which is was, was super interesting by the way because i was like oh they got rid of the shiv mechanic which at first i was kind of like i don't know how like, we were making fun of it last episode but at the same time, I was like, I kind of liked having to spend resources to kill the clickers. I that was kind of an interesting dynamic. And getting to Abby and be like, oh, she has those again. Weird. Um, I thought that was kind of a nice touch and a nice thematic touch. Uh, what did you think about yeah, that? Yeah, and I honestly, yeah, I didn't miss the shivs too much um, mechanically just because they introduced those new types, specifically the shamblers, which are kind of what the clickers were in the first one, where they're you can't just sneak up and stab them. You have to you know deal with them in some other way so the clickers being sort of demoted for these bigger threats was fine by me but then when the shifts did show up again i'm like oh okay this is interesting and yeah abby's plot does really mirror joel's but you sort of get what joel was before he before even the start of last of us one you know they hint at it in the that game when he's like i've been on both sides and all that Abby is sort of the character where you get to see that other side before she turns to full-on dad mode. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't know. I just really appreciated that duality, and I I think that that is what plays into the ultimate ending and why Ellie has this fucking moment where she's like, I can't fucking do it. You know, um, I'm sorry. I keep referencing the ending and not wanting to talk about it till last. I, I'm sorry, audience. That's probably frustrating. Um, but <laughs> We're in the spoiler part. You know what the ending is. Yeah, but I just think it's thematically should be the last thing we talk about. Um, I do want to praise the bloater fights as an element of the last game I didn't particularly enjoy, but loved this time around. And I think they're used sparingly enough to make them exciting and scary. Cause, and I think, honestly, the biggest change they made and the one that made me deeply appreciate them was that they can just run through walls and they can run through environmental elements and it makes them fucking scary. Like, what a cool change. Yeah, because the shamblers kind of become both what the clickers were and also what the bloaters were. You know, you have to fight them with your guns and your actual combat utensils. But, you know, they're still sort of limited like the like they were in the first game like the bloaters were in the first game but then in this one they become much a much bigger threat and they force you into that combat they they show up about as rare as they were in the first game you only fight like three of them the whole game um yes but having that sort of combat is is super interesting i did really enjoy them yeah i i really really loved them um and also having a long-ranged infected yes yes i agree because you know them and the stalkers are are different compared to the other factor because the clickers and the runners just run at you. So it is nice to have that change of pace in gameplay. 
And the Shamblers still just, they're slower, but they still just come at you. Yep. They try and get as close as possible to do their little, you know, puff attack. Yeah, but then these change it up in such a significant way. And they're used sparingly enough to just make them exciting every time. Um, including one moment where they're in a flashback. Let's talk about the flashbacks. Um, I think Ellie's flashbacks are some of the strongest moments in the entire game. Uh, particularly that first oh, one. Oh, yeah. That first one was like brought tears to my eyes. I loved it so much. Um, what now, which one was the first one? one? That was the museum. Which was, was that the that wasn't the first one? Yes, it was. Because the there was the sniper flashback before that's, that. That's after. Because they kind of go in was tears in one? terms of what uh, what her and Joel's relationship, uh, how it's deteriorating, and um, like like that first one's pretty recently. It's like maybe a year after the first game, um, and then the second one is not, and they kind of have that argument at the end, in the hotel. Gotcha. Yes. 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 Um, but yeah, I I want to talk about the museum moment because it is them, it is Naughty Dog, I think, realizing what worked with Left Behind and implementing it into the main game and having these like really cool, genuinely sweet moments um, where you're, you know, putting on these space helmets and finding this fedora and like, putting it on Joel and it's a really cute scene. And when they're in the, um, when, when they're in the um, space thing. <laughs> oh, the the moon capsule yes when they're in there apollo capsule and it's doing the left behind arcade screen thing which is focusing on her face and we get her imagining you know going up into space it's just genuinely one of the cutest sweetest moments in in video games for me and i I just wanted to praise that scene so much and i love even the end of it when it gets dark like one of my favorite aspects of it is you get to that second building and there's resources all over the place and you're like oh shit i'm gonna have to fight stuff here and they allow you to pull out your gun, and you can craft stuff. And no, there's no enemies there. Like, it's just tricking you through gameplay, which I thought was kind of a nice concept. And I love the emotional beat of her finding the uh, the Firefly graffiti at the end and her being upset about it. Um, I, I just thought it was all told super well and nice. And I feel that way about her second and third flashbacks as well. Yeah, and this also did what I appreciated in Left Behind, which was use the gameplay from the main game in a non-threatening way left behind had that where you were throwing the bricks at the cars and then using the water guns and incorporating that here as well um and even in non-flashback scenes you know that snowball fight at the first at the start of the game what a great tutorial super great 10 out of 10 (laughs) yeah it's a tutorial it's using the mechanics that you're going to use for more serious things in a less serious way and i really appreciate that yeah just the character interactions in those flashback scenes are really strong um and then when you get into the grittier main game which has very little moments of levity you know you get breaks but it's not they're not super happy breaks um you know having this be sort of that emotional relief for the player i i really liked yeah I mean, she has that sweet moment with Tommy where he's, you know, they're shooting that rifle. Like, it's just, it's very good. That heartbreaking scene at, you know, at the um, Salt Lake City Hospital where she's, you know, old enough to just go there on her own, which makes sense. Um, I also, by the way, love that she finds out that he's lied to her, which we kind of get. She probably knows, but like definitively finds out before the uh, current mainland events of the game. I was really scared that, like, the ending of this game would be Abby just blurting it out to her and, like, you know, 
like right before she's going to kill her or something dumb and cliche like that so i i deeply appreciated that um that scene as well even though it was really hard to watch yeah and as someone who went into the sequel expecting it to be a continuation of the first game you know at the start of the game when when joel gets killed i was like uh wait a minute <laughs> you, they just they just killed him without him you know dealing with this lie that he told but you know as it goes on then you get to see more of that um and it was you know it was really moving especially to have that plot thread from the last game be almost a conclusion to this one as well in a flashback sense but you know being further along having that sort of emotional release for her and then having her deal with it and joel deal with it while leaving the main game or the the current day game to be ellie's sort of dealing with joel's death um i think was a really smart way of handling that absolutely oh oh man i don't even know what to talk about (laughs) i think the only flashback i didn't love was um it's part of abby's first one where they're literally in the hospital and it's like the most obvious thing in the world with um fuck what's her name firefly lady yeah the leader of the fireflies i forget her name now yeah um marlene um I, I just felt like we know that that's one of those obvious things much like the sex scene where i'm like we don't have to see this we get it through context um and it's one of the things that i felt like the first game all the way through didn't feel like have those moments for me and it's just it was just a small little thing not not worth mentioning too much but it's like okay i get it um we know the doctor was her dad and they do that with um her running into the operation room like three times i'm like okay this was super cool the first time but then as it went on, I'm like, eh, okay. Oh, I disagree. I feel like that her running in was a continuation of the scene I don't like. Or I'm like, I don't need to see him. I did like her running in and it being like, you know, this dreamy, you know, um, you know, PTSD kind of thing, which I feel like is mirrored with Ellie um, later on too at the farm. Yeah, that was great. It's just having her like run up and be like, oh no, dad, like, I don't know. It felt a little weird to have that be it, but having those sort of dream, yes, like, inaccurate stuff was super cool yeah absolutely shout out to the guitar mini game <laughs> oh guitar mini game so i i love it like what a creative inventive way to to do that it just feels like i can't th- like what a smart thing um you know holding down the the button and then stroking the touchpad or holding on the stick and stroking the touchpad to play chords like what a dumb little like cute little thing i love that they allow people to practice like there's so many fun videos of people playing songs on the guitar which seems like really hard to do but cool yeah it's the same sort of innovation that people did with the ocarina from the 3ds zelda games i love that for me since i had the high contrast mode assigned to the touchpad as it was um i didn't get to strum with that it was just push the x button which was also pretty pretty cool i love how the strings are shown in the middle of the little chord wheel yeah um that was super cool yeah really and then you get the you get the emotional take on me cover i love that moment so much (laughs) it's very cool yeah and i think it i i don't know i think it makes sense like if you think about it thematically i don't know why i think about these things but i was thinking about the other night and i'm like why would she be playing it that way and it's like well what if she just found a book of you know guitar tabs and that's all she had (laughs) she had to kind of interpret how the song sounds i don't know 
Yeah, either that or it's one of the few songs that she actually knows because it was on her cassette that she had as a kid. Yeah. Because, you know, that would have been older, that it would have been put on a mixtape like that, and then she would have it this way, and she's sort of interpreting it and, you know, covering it in an emotional way for Dina. It could have been something like that as well. Very sweet Um, moment. It did work, though. And a missable moment, too, which I always appreciate when games are, you know, are feel strong enough in their exploration to have you miss stuff which uh, we should talk about that whole open section because it's weird right i thought for sure that was yeah there was going to be more of those yeah i honestly missed it by the (laughs) once it was gone i'm like wait because it was super weird you know the first game is super linear and then you get to seattle and it's completely open you have a map you have side quests and it's like oh i'm actually super into this and then it stops doing that for the rest of the game like oh no wait come back (laughs) i want to do that yeah it's weird it's a really strong area um they did this also in uncharted lost legacy and i feel like this is a much uh, a greater improvement on that but yeah i just thought it was like oh there's gonna be a couple areas like this and they never go back to it uh, which is interesting to put it that early on but i did appreciate that area like i loved finding the bank and you know the pet store and all that stuff like some really nice storytelling yeah and doing doing puzzles of finding combinations and opening safes and stuff like that i loved all the safes by the way i also love that if you yeah, want they do to some you clever can, stuff with that you can crack the safe by just listening to the to the dial which is kind of fun oh that's super cool i i just love how certain ones were like there's one that's in a restaurant that's like the safe combination is the wi-fi password oh yeah and then you have to go into the cafe and find the wi-fi password written on the wall and like that's super cool they're all dumb (laughs) and simplistic but i I don't know there's some there's a kind of realism to that where you know like yeah people do do that (laughs) they're like it's our wedding (laughs) anniversary Mm -hmm. and you have to go look for a calendar and like it's i don't know it's just super fun also shout out to the optional area with the workbench where you can get fucking attacked while you're on the workbench. Oh my god. Oh my god, moment. that scared the shit out of me. <laughs> so good. Also, by the way, I'm pretty sure that can happen at any workbench if there are enemies around. Because on my second playthrough, I went to the workbench in the gas station early on in the game, and there were enemies around, and I heard them, and I was like, oh shit, and I got out of the workbench. So I'm pretty sure that can just happen dynamically, which is really cool. Yeah, well, I did it, and then um, the enemy that attacked me did kill me, so I you know, restarted the checkpoint and the checkpoint was after the enemies had already been killed, which was weird. Oh, that is weird. So then it didn't happen a second time. So I think it is just like situational, whether there are enemies that nearby. Oh yeah. Um, cause on my second playthrough, I just made it past that part and I put a mine in front of that door. Cause I'm like, they're going to come out of the store. I want to see if the game is smart enough to let me kill this enemy before it gets me. And it is like the mine explodes. She goes, well fuck. And gets out of the workbench, which is really cool. Yeah. Also, what a tragic area where you read the note and she's like, oh, they were deserting. They thought I was a wolf. Um, especially considering on my second playthrough, it was just a puddle of human fucking remains by that door. I was like, oops. Oops. <laughs> Whoop. Yeah. Um, any, any other weird optional things you want to talk about? Yeah. Um, when I got to the ending and you get to look through the mission list and there was a there's like the collectibles listed out. I'm like, oh wow, I missed a lot of stuff. Oh yeah, like there's whole buildings and whole areas that you do not have to explore, which is, I love. Like, cool, really cool. It can make a second playthrough much more interesting and, like, much more re- rewarding if you can find new areas and stuff. Um, shout out to the rope physics. 
rope physics are great. Yep. Uh, returning from Uncharted 4. I thought for sure they were going to give you a grappling hook like an Uncharted. I was like... Oh, that would have been so cool. Not at all the no, correct tone all. for this game, but it would have been fun. It would have been funny. Um, but yeah, um, uh, cool stuff. Cool environmental puzzles. Shout out it. to the skyscraper section. Yes. Very much reminiscent of the ending of the first game with the um, sort of tunnels. Yeah, but I love how you... I love the atmosphere of the clouds up in the top, and then you go through this sort of blown-out building. Loved that. Yeah, you get the flamethrower returning, which I didn't think would, because I'm like, oh, they got rid of that, and then you get it, which is fun. I only used it, like, once against the zombie ball. <laughs> Let's talk about the final area, because I do have issues with it. And one of them, I kind of get it. Because you meet this final group um, called the Rifters, Rafters, something? The Rattlers. Rattlers, yes. They just get no story time. And I get it, because this is a 30-hour game. I understand like getting into a whole thing with them probably doesn't make sense. But, I don't know, it kind of left me feeling like they're a bit generic. Which is a shame, because I think visually, you know, they have this rednecky vibe and you know they're awful people they're clearly slavers but like i I think that like i could have used a little more story with them personally um again i I know i'm asking for more to a 30 for me 35 hour game so i get it that that's probably an unrealistic thing to like expect yeah but it did feel weird because they show up like right at the end of the game and then get no real story significance and then they disappear it felt like it was either unnecessary or unfinished, if that makes sense. And I I honestly would rather them not flesh it out because this game's already yeah, long enough. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like, it just kind of stinks because, like, with the wolves and the seraphites, you get to see... Well, I guess less so with the seraphites, but definitely with the wolves, you kind of get to see their society working and get to see just people who are normal which I think helps us connect to that group. Um, and our connection with the Seraphites are, you know, Lev and Yara. You get to see the wolves just playing Hotline Miami on working Hotline Miami. Sony Vitas. Yeah, and Jack and Dexter, <laughs> uh, the console of the future. <laughs> um, by the way, I love that that girl shows up twice. And, like, it's one of those small moments that I'm like, oh, you made me feel bad retroactively for killing this girl. She still was playing Hotline Miami. She didn't yeah, get to finish it. Getting her scores, man. Also, <laughs> Ellie never gets to play a video game, which is a huge bummer. I know. There was a PS3 working right there. She could have played Uncharted 2. I kind of half expected what is she them doing? to do that. Um, but, you know. Just have her play Uncharted 2. Yeah. I, they've had some interesting moments in their past games like that. So, like, I don't know. Um, you get Smash Brandy's cooch. That's a fun line. <laughs> fun, that whole scene's really fun. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just feel like that last group, again, I get it, I understand it, I just, I don't know. But I, I do appreciate how visually distinct they are in their area is. Again, it does give them a culture, which I think is important with a game like this, because a lot of games don't do that. And so having this enemy group feel distinct is cool. But yeah, they just don't get time to mature. We don't get to see, you know, aspects of that society, which is kind of a shame, but also totally get it yeah and you see that leader show up and i was like oh if they have to do an entire like fourth act to this game then i'm like no please don't but then you know he just dies ellie kills him and then moves on um i think the main like reason they wanted this area to be in the game was because they wanted that element of ellie 
having to track Abby down. Oh yeah, totally. And follow her a great distance. Absolutely. And and they set up this Santa Barbara thing of the fireflies might still be out there and we're going to go over there and all that. But then it just, I feel like having an entire enemy group be there, while I guess that does make sense, it just felt from a gameplay wise like, oh, we're going to just, you know, drag the game out a little bit more by having more enemies. I mean, it gives you more chances to mix the infected and human combat, which I always appreciated um, in this game. Oh, they needed to do way more of that. Yeah. But you do you do get moments of that, um, which, you know, I yeah, liked. it's so great. I do like that this group has zombies chained down. Um, I think that's kind of a nice touch. Yeah, there's nothing better in a Last of Us game than alerting enemies over to where the humans are by the <laughs> like, way it's... i watched a twitter video and i didn't know you could do this you know when you grab an enemy and you can kind of just hold them and point your gun yeah, yeah. during that section in the subway when when they do mix in the enemies I, I watched somebody grab a human enemy and then literally walk it up to a clicker and feed it to them which is awful but like oh, kind of amazing you up. can do that <laughs> Like, yeah. what an interesting thing. Like, there's a, there's a lot of intricacies to this combat. Did you know you could dive backwards? I did not know like, you on could your do back? that. Yeah, there's, like, a lot of cool things you can do that they don't tutorialize that, you know, like, like it feels like, it, it reminds me of, like, just, like, higher-level mechanics that, I don't know. It makes me think of, like, some, some of the stuff people did in Breath of the Wild, too, you know, in a, a lesser degree, but, like, it, it's kind of cool. Yeah, I... I mainly just appreciated that you could shoot before you stood up. Like if you get knocked down, that was super cool. Oh yeah. Super cinematic um, looking too. Yeah. But it also leaves you sort of not having to crawl back to cover before you can shoot. You can, you know, stay in that prone position. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about the Santa Barbara area? Cause it's, I don't know. It felt unnecessary, but it was, it, it wasn't bad. No, I think from gameplay wise, I had fun with it. I, I enjoyed the submachine gun you get. Even though I kind of wish it had an upgrade tree, it doesn't. A new game plus, it's just there. Uh, whatever. The flamethrower is the same way. I don't. Know, I, I. I. think it's fine. Gameplay is. I. To be honest, I couldn't get enough of the gameplay, so I didn't feel that tiredness from it. I, I just kind of wish there was more fleshed out. I also really enjoy the time jump that we get here, like playing as Abby at first, and then they don't tell us how much time it takes Ellie to get there, or the time difference until you know she meets up with that leader. And it's been like three months, which I, I, I kind of thought was a really cool touch. I'm like, oh, she could already be gone, you know? Um, and I, yeah, no kidding. And it's a good excuse to have her kind of emaciated by the end, which, which I thought was a smart, good touch. I don't know. Let's, let's move on to that ending then. like i know people have problems with her sparing abby but i think it kind of all comes to a head for her when she's realized what she's done when she's realized she held a knife to lev's throat when she's realized she's become this kind of monster who would do that because again i mentioned earlier i don't think she is attacking people unprovoked mostly in this game like the wolves shoot on sight she wants revenge on Abby, but she wants revenge on Abby, not Lev. She doesn't want revenge on, you know, like the deaths of Mel and Owen were accidents. You know, like, I think that like, there's a lot of things in this game. And, and even when she kills Nora, like she's fucked up about it. So like, I don't know. I, I, I get that people have issues with it. I just, I, I thought it was brilliant. I really liked this ending and 
having, for the most part, all of Ellie's story is about her refusing to let things go. And so, you know, her holding on to this vengeance of against Abby and holding on to a bunch of things with like Dina and Jesse having their thing. She's still kind of against that, especially when Jesse shows up and she's just refuses to let it go once they move into their farmhouse. So the ending of this game being her finally letting go and, you know, letting literally letting Abby go, I think is, is super great. Like I, I really enjoyed that sort of arc coming to a close in that way. Um, you know, her sort of letting her vengeance go. She's done enough damage. She feels okay about it, but she also realizes that she's gone too far. So, um, and then Abby as well, you know, just fully disregarding her previous intentions and, you know, almost forgetting about Ellie entirely, but just looking after Lev. So that's the whole reason Abby even fights is to, is because Lev's in danger if she doesn't fight. So having her put in that situation, she's really only doing it for Lev. Um, I, I really enjoyed how this story wrapped up, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think you even see that conflict by her doing that, right? She wants Abby to fight back because she's like, I just need an excuse. Which is, you know, I, I think she realizes what she's done. Where she's like, that's so fucked. Like, I, I don't know. And I, I I think it's a little bit cheesy that we get that quick little flashback to Joel in that moment. But I also think it's them communicating, hey, she's realizing that Abby is Joel. You know, just in a different position. I thought it was super smart and really affecting to me. Yeah, and she sort of has become what Abby was at the start of the game. You know, they sort of swapped places in a throughout the course of the game. So she's realizing that she would be killing the Joel for Lev and yep. doesn't want to become that. I thought it was just really smart. And then, you know, having that climax of Ellie's flashback to Joel about her sort of talking to Joel about his lie and then telling him that she's going to try and forgive him for it. You know, it's sort of also her oh, letting go of it. It's her letting go of that sort of remorse as well. And, and you it get it really that comes to a head. So good because you get why she's on this revenge track because she didn't get that chance. It was, that was the last th- conversation they had, you know, like that was the night before. Like it, it by the way, replaying the game, there's, there's a moment where you're with Dina and Jackson and you're exploring houses and she's talking about, now I'm going to watch a movie tonight with Joel. And that hits so much harder for me on the replay of this. Cause you're like, Oh, because you're, you know, you're returning to this relationship. God, it's so upsetting. Yeah, it is. I, I mean, it's really tragic the way it turned out, but just having that be at the end of the game rather than the start of it, I think was really smart of them to do. Yeah. Not only just for the contextual reason of, you know, wrapping up the first game is sort of a climactic thing for this plot to do, but, you know, having that sort of character arc come through in both ways. I also, the guitar got me. When she can't play. Oh, of course. Yeah. Like, what a powerful visual and audio metaphor, I guess. Like, oh man. Um, Really, really, really well done. And I love that she kind of puts the guitar down. And closes the door on it. Like it feels like, oh, that is the thematic end. She's letting go of this as well. 
Yeah, and her sort of letting go of Joel as well, you know, accepting that he's dead and like yeah, it's it's really powerful. Just a very simple way of conveying that that's really powerful. Where do you think she's going? Uh, you know, she's got roots to do. In my heart of hearts, <laughs> I think she's going back to Jackson. Um, but yeah, she's got to reconcile with Tommy and all that. Yeah, and, and um, you know, Dina. Um, yeah, try and find Dina. Which, by the way, I loved all the farmhouse stuff. I thought it was kind of this look into this world where they're happy which i i don't know i really like yeah i did too uh how old is that kid though <laughs> oh man i saw that in your notes and i'm like I, I you know little kids do learn like because you're talking about the moment where he says hi <laughs> like they do wor- learn like one word or two you know so I, I don't know i will say the kid's name got me it's jj yeah which i assume yeah. it's jesse joel yeah i think i think you're right um, which you know that got me a bit um but that that area is beautiful. I, I I can't wait to go back there and use the photo mode. Also, one of the um, one of the the goats you're herding is named Eugene, which is upsetting. Yeah. Also, in that um, I watched, I saw a video about like small details in the game. When you return to that house at the end, if you go to the bathroom mirror, she refuses to look at herself. Oof. Which is yeah. hard. <laughs> which I was like, oh my god, Those that's a wow. Little details, man. They can really sell a sell a character. Well. Is there anything else you want to touch on? Fuck you for making me kill Alice. You monsters. Absolute monsters. Um, oh, well, the dogs? Yes. Well, well, it's specifically yeah. Alice in the aquarium. Yeah, no, fuck that. Don't Assholes. make me shoot dogs in games. Assholes. <laughs> How dare you? Only How dare this you? This game has really good dog pets. You can pet two different dogs you in this play game. play catch with Alice. Don't make me shoot dogs. You, you fucking play catch with the dog. It's Alice. Her Don't name's Alice. Don't make me Alice. shoot dogs in video games. They nape her um anyway last minute thoughts um no i think you know it's it does what it wants to do pretty well i feel like there could have been some some changes but all in all i think it's it's a good it's a really good follow-up to the first one if nothing else yeah i feel like them calling it part two makes more sense to me after playing it as well instead of just two it does feel like a continuation of that story i'm going to see my mother She said she'd meet me when I come I'm just a ghost Alright, well, that was The Last of Us Part 2. Like I said earlier, our next episode, I guarantee you, will be Anodai 2. It has to be, because we don't have anything else in the can. So, you know, come back for that. Play those games. They're well, I haven't played two yet, but one was was super interesting and cool. I have I have started two. It is fantastic. So yeah, far, everything so I've heard about definitely it. Definitely play those. Seems awesome. Have a good week. Uh, you know, go out to do something. Did delightful. you want to rank all our games? Oh, let, rank Last of Us's or all of them? I mean, we ranked the the Luigi's Mansion games. It's been a while. Okay. Well, here's what I was gonna pitch to you. Actually, I think we do an end of the year episode where we rank every save station. We call it the save station game of the year i mean yeah we were going to do that anyway and also we should do one for all the games we played not necessarily the ones that came out this year yeah that's that's that that would be the idea that it wouldn't matter about when it came out it's just what we played on the show for the year yeah and then we should also do one for ones that we played 
personally just oh yeah discuss some of definitely those. definitely if you want to do a quick like do you, what do you think about last of us is uh let's do one left behind and this we'll, we'll count that separately to make it a bit more interesting okay so what do you think about one left behind and two how would you rank those in order oh man i think right now and this is the kind of thing where i know my opinion will change constantly over time right now i think i go uh, left behind is three two two is two and one is one yeah i think i'm the same way i think my opinions are going to change my opinions on the second game have changed so much since i finished it i was pretty negative coming off the end of it and then the more i've thought about it the more i've actually really liked the game i think i'm going to put left behind first and then oh man that's that's tough (laughs) And I should say, for my <laughs> order, I, I, I think these are all fantastic experiences for me. And these are pretty much all 10s. It's just the only reason Left Behind is last is because it's short. And because, you know, it's just a two-hour little thing. But that doesn't mean, you know, I, I absolutely, I think it's one of the best DLCs of all time. Yeah, I think I think it is going to be one, then Left Behind, then two. And that's based off of complete packages. If it was in terms of just gameplay, I think two would definitely be at the top. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. But I, I think I would rank it at the top of like PS4 games, because God oh, damn, yeah. it's fantastic. All right, well, thanks for listening. We intended to have this podcast be shorter. I guess it is a bit shorter, but barely. <laughs> well, it edits down, I'm sure. All right. Well, I hope you guys have you know a fantastic couple of weeks till our next episode. Thank you for listening. Bye. Yep. Take care. to say I'll say anymore Today's another day to find you shying away I'll be coming for you Okay Take on me Take Slowly